Hello, it's Andrew Pearce, Thursday, December the 30th. Welcome to a special. So it's a huge weekend for the sports We've given you a selection of the best sport for the nation. Stories. Of course, it's England versus Italy at Wembley. Kick off 8 pm. Deputy Sports Editor Matt Gatwood, who I know has more grey hairs now than the start of the tournament after watching that nail biting semi final against Denmark. Matt, um, is everything all everything's fine for England? No injuries? All going all right? No, yeah, that's that's the good thing. There's no injuries. You've got uh, Gareth Southgate has a full squad to choose from. Um, you know, we expect that he will stick with a team that started against Denmark in the semi-final, as you say, that nerve-wracking semi-final. Um, and I'm afraid I can only see Sunday's match being more uh, nail-biting going on again because I think it's going to be just as tight uh, and just as tense. I've heard people say that the Denmark game was never in doubt and that, you know, England were by far the better team and that it was, you know, um, we were always going to win it. Well, uh, I didn't feel that way. I mean, I do admit that we were the better team and we did control the game excellently in extra time, um, keeping the ball very well, uh, running the clock down, um, that sort of thing. So we were very professional. It was a good performance. But anyone who's seen England over the last 50-odd years knows that we we do find ways of throwing these games away sometimes. So um, they'll have to be as professional uh, tomorrow, in uh, sorry, on Sunday in the final um, because Italy, again, you know, this is another step up from everyone we've played so far. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be is, tough. Is it right they've, they've, they've had a run of about 30 or 33 games, matches, which they haven't lost? They've been excellent, yeah, all the way through. I mean, since, pretty much since Roberto Mancini, who's their manager, took over, um, he had a little bit of uh, a period of getting to know the players, working out his system. And since then, after his initial sort of uh, uh, period of learning the ropes, he has been incredible for them. And they've gone on this year, 30-odd game unbeaten run. They've also barely conceded a goal in that time, which is uh, slightly worrying uh, omen for England uh, on Sunday. Um, but there's hope there. You know, they, they, they're not... the you're, They've been better Italian sides in the past. You know, they're not for the star sort of quality. They're more of a workman-like side, dare I say it. Um, but they have got exceptional um, sort of players in certain positions um, in terms of their experience. So they've got the two centre-halves, Chiellini and Bonucci, who are age 70 between them, um, who have been everywhere, won everything uh, at club level. Um, so you've got to get past them. But they, you know, they do give you hope in the fact that they, you know, if you can get at them, they're, uh, they're obviously, you know, at the end, towards the end of their careers. Um, so there is a way through there. But then you've got to beat Donnarumma, the goalkeeper, who's a six-foot-five, um, massive guy, big, you know, probably the tournament's outstanding goalkeeper. So, um, yeah. They're, the they're, Danish uh, goalie not... was pretty good the other night, wasn't he? I thought he was terrific. Yes, yeah, Michael was very good, actually. I mean, he is a, he's a brilliant goalkeeper, with, as we know from the Premier League. Um this Donnarumma guy, we probably don't know as much about if he hasn't played in England. He's been at Milan and he's now joined Paris Saint-Germain uh, as of next season where he'll be earning vast sums of money. So we'll, we'll probably see more of him in the latter stages of the Champions League with them. Um, but either he's going to be a tough character to beat. And also, if the worst were to happen, and we'll go down to penalty shootout. Oh, uh, he's won all his penalty shootouts for Italy. Um He's got this big span, so he's going to be difficult to beat from the penalty spot. So let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope we can win it in normal time. What's your view, Matt? You know I always like to put you on the spot. You got it right last time. You said it would be by one goal, and it yeah. was. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Italy are uh, probably the favourites, aren't they? Probably not in Britain, but if we were taking yeah. 
a straw poll in other countries, they would probably put Italy at the top, wouldn't they? I think they would just, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I can't, I can't. Crowd on our side, of course. That's like having a 12th player on the pitch, isn't it? Yes, that will help. Yeah, that'll see, that's a massive thing. You know, a full uh, heaving Wembley is going to be brilliant. Um, so that's obviously going to be a big advantage for us. So, you know, with that in mind, I'm going to go for my, my I'm going to go for one nil to England uh, at 90 minutes. I'm going to go that England are going to win it one nil. Uh, that's what my heart says. My head might say something different, but my heart's going to go one nil to England. All right. That's Matt Gatwood, Deputy Sports, who's going off now to coordinate coverage in the paper tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Very important now to test the temperature in the city after Chancellor Rishi Sunak's speech. We know one poll has already shown more than half the public liked the budget. But what are they saying in the city? Who better to tell us than Ruth Sundland, who is, of course, business editor at the Daily Mail. Ruth. Well, Andrew, before we get to all of that, I've got to congratulate you. I know you're far too modest to say anything about this yourself, um, but I'm sure your listeners will agree that you're very well deserving of the award that you've won for, I think it's Multimedia Journalist of the Year, is it, in the London Press Club Awards, one of Uh, the most coveted prizes? You're quite right, Ruth. That's very sweet of you. It's um, Well, this this podcast is a key part of, of it, actually, and as you know, I write a lot for the paper and I do radio and TV, so I was very pleased to get the award particularly Ruth as I beat Jeremy Clarkson who was on the shortlist oh well that is fantastic news that must make it taste even sweeter Andrew and listen I'm very honoured that you you have plebs like me on you know that's, that's, that's fantastic <laughs> well it's because we have great people like you on the podcast Ruth that it was deemed to be worthy of getting an award so less about me what about Rishi what's the what's the view 24 hours later Ruth when the dust has settled well, I think the dust is, is beginning to settle a little bit. And I think people, you know, the, the, the Chancellor um, described this budget as, as um, one for a new age of optimism post-COVID and post-Brexit. But I'm not sure that people in general are going to be feeling the love um, when all of this sinks in and when they look forward to the to the coming year. Um, Really what is likely to happen to a lot of people is that a combination of tax increases, which are quite hefty, and of high inflation, are going to hit their living standards. Um, A middle-income earner is much likely to be worse off next year than better because wage rises are not um, that strong. Um, We did see a bit of a bounce back, but it was from the the low um, base that had come into effect because of COVID. So, I mean, there is there is some good news, as we were discussing yesterday, in the sense that the economy has bounced back quite strongly. The forecasts from the Office of Budget Responsibility were better than they were, much more optimistic than expected in March. Um, but it's what Rishi's done about that, really, that I think is, is, is causing a little bit of unease. So in March, it looked as if we were in a real mess. You know, that's not news to anybody. So Rishi at that point announced some quite big tax rises. Now, it turned out to be not as bad as the OBR thought. He could have reversed and unwound some of those tax rises, but he's chosen not to. Instead, he's banked that money. He's increased spending and he's trying to curb borrowing, um, but he hasn't rode back on his tax increases. Now, I guess we can hope, well, maybe he's gearing up for a pre-election giveaway. I'm sure he is. Um, you know, which I'm sure he is. But he could have 
reversed, this is the IFS have calculated this, he could have reversed out a third of the increases coming down the pipeline if he hadn't increased his spending plans. Now, my suspicion is maybe he wants to keep some of those red wall voters that they've won and that be quite near his constituency in, in Richmond in North Yorkshire. Maybe he wants to keep them sweet um, with with um, higher public spending and the valuable services that we that we all use. But it's a very delicate balance act, balancing act he's, he, he's doing here. And I think the higher taxes combined with inflation, combined with bigger energy bills, um, you know, all of these things are, are, I don't think there's going to be a lot of a feel-good factor. So he's been very effortlessly, effortlessly popular, has Rishi, until now. And I think it's going to be a, a bit of a sterner test for him in, in the coming months. Indeed it is. That's Ruth Sunderland, who's ever's got her finger on the pulse in what's happening in the square mile. Now, it's time for our regular City Update with Ruth Sunderland, business editor at the Daily Mail. Now, Ruth, you wrote a typically trenchant piece in the Mail today about the ongoing scandal of all those postmasters and postmistresses who were wrongly prosecuted for alleged theft when all along it was an IT problem at the post office, which they knew about. The former chief executive, Paula Venels, she's quit some of her city posts now, Ruth, but she still got her CBE, which was awarded for not just charitable work but her work at the post office which is frankly laughable Mm -hmm. it's a complete mockery so um one of the problems with this whole scandal where as you um very cogently described we've seen a a group of former sub postmasters and sub postmistresses finally had their names cleared at the court of appeal and this was after probably the most widespread miscarriage of justice this country has ever seen and also one of the worst abuses of corporate power that we've ever witnessed in this country. Now Paula Vanells was in charge of the post office for quite a long chunk of time while all of this was going on so in fairness it didn't really originate with her um, but she missed multiple opportunities to put this right and it's very mysterious why she didn't do that. Now, as you say, rather absurdly, as late as 2019, she was awarded the CBE. She's a very, very coveted honour, as you know, for her services to charity and to the post office. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up, really, could you? No, now, I know. my view on this, really, is that I think if she wants to move on from this and make amends, it would be a good idea if she were to ask to hand it back. Um, Now, we did have a precedent for this, um, a chap called James Crosby, who was Sir James Crosby and was chief executive at one time of HBOS, which went under almost in the financial crisis. He requested to relinquish his knighthood. Now, as a result of that, he never quite came in for the same level of opprobrium that the former Sir Fred Goodwin did um, because I think people appreciated well you know this you're no longer entitled to this honour really Um, so I just think it makes a mockery I think the the very serious point underlying all of this is that somebody more than one person you know the people responsible for this need to be held properly accountable Um, you know because there are people here and their lives have been absolutely destroyed by this Um, and it's not good enough to just kick it into the long grass and say no one's really to blame people have got to be held properly to account for it
They certainly do. That's Ruth Sunderland. Read her column today. Fabulous and punchy as ever. Deputy Sports Editor Tim Nichols is here with the latest sports news. Tim, a very successful Olympics for Team GB. A very uh, successful, second second greatest Olympics we've ever had with 65 medals, 22 gold, 21 silver, 22 bronze. It's only a couple behind Rio, which when you consider... Um, the how you know we fell short really in in rowing and athletics we didn't do as well as we normally do there particularly rowing is a stronghold of british sport at the olympics and and we really disappointed uh, you know from what we're used to in those two uh, in those two sports and yet we still ended up with 65 medals and and just so many great stories across so many different sports and and landmark achievements from individuals and teams it, it was a fantastic games for team gb really really was a, a you know unexpectedly really i don't think anyone quite um, envisage just uh, bringing so much um, so much metal home with us many people thought that the lack of spectators would be a bit of a downer when it came to morale but we saw some superb um, performances despite the very unusual context didn't we absolutely and uh, you know i think they do do make a huge difference and and particularly you know in these these are not sort of the global sports that, that necessarily get the, the huge um, crowds normally away from the Olympics. And so this is really their, their moment in the sun, you know, whether you're an athlete, whether it's a, a swimmer or, or cyclist or, or, or any of the disciplines uh, in the Olympics. And, and so, you know, I think that that was a real blow and a real shame. But at the same time, I think the athletes from across every country just you know once they turned up in tokyo it is the olympic games they've all been building their their lives towards it or certainly the last four or five years towards it and you know it's incredibly special it's incredibly important to those people and they all delivered fantastic performances and you know obviously in paris in three years time we want to see the crowds back because it does make such a difference and i do feel very very sorry for the people of tokyo and japan because you know they were locked out of their own party we remember what london was like here you know nine years ago an absolutely fantastic time to be in this city and in the country and uh it's a real shame that they missed out on that but you've got to credit the athletes because they didn't let it affect them and produce some absolutely stonking performances tim many thanks for joining us that was deputy sports editor tim nichols there that's all we've got time for today. I'll be back with more festive highlights and the show will return in full on January the 4th. I'm Andrew Pierce. Have a good evening and good night. Music.